0: I just always want to go to Santorini because I feel like a part of me is there. When I go there, it's like, now I'm whole. When I get there, the, the missing piece that's missing in Buffalo, it's it's over there. And when I get there, then I'm like, okay, I'm all together now. We had one of those Let's Go, Let's Go Europe's, you know, that was like four inches thick. And you, I mean, you, that you needed that. You could not have that. And now, of course, you just have your phone and everything's on there. But I mean, we lived out of that thing like it was a Bible I love Syphnos. I, I, I almost don't want to talk about it because I don't want anyone to like just find out about Syphnos. but that I've been there twice this year and that that might be my place. So I'm going to say Syphnos like I had just mentioned because I, I do love that place. I love the island of a geese tree. And one place we didn't talk about that I really love is an area in Greece called Meteora. It's where the monasteries are on those t- really tall, like um, peaks. It's very mystical, very magical. I'm, I'm picking those three.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Wing It Travel podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker, or traveller, or gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Do you fancy some bonus content with this episode? Then fear not. If you start as to a patron today, by going on to ww.patreon.com forward slash wingin' it travel podcast, then you'll find these extra features every week for Monday and Friday's episode. One bonus episode every month. Some ad-free content, some early access to episodes, the exclusive added travel must have feature on every episode, patron shout-out, some ad hoc bonus episodes. You'll get a copy of my digital travel planner, which is available on Etsy, and you'll get my monthly Winging It Travel podcast magazine. If this takes your fancy, you can sign up for £4, $7.50 Canadian, $6 US a month, and I really thank you for supporting the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this, and I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode, where I'm joined by Krista Hobart, who has travelled to Greece nearly 20 times as an aid worker, but also on vacation. I can't wait to hear different parts of Greece that you've seen and also previous travels and also her work with refugees. Krista, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: Thank you so much. I'm doing awesome. It's great to be here. So thanks so much. I'm glad we connected.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, You tried to help me get some guests on the podcast. Didn't work out, but it's all right. Here we are.
0: I think I'm more fun anyway. So there you go.
1: (laughs) There you go. I've (laughs) lucked out there. That's great. So tell the listeners, where in the world are you right now?
0: Where in the world am I? I'm actually in Buffalo, New York right now. I'm, I'm not on a fabulous trip. I'm just hanging out at home, getting ready for whatever the next one might be down the road.
1: Ah, and are you from Buffalo, New York?
0: I am not from Buffalo. I'm originally from Minneapolis. So I grew up in Minneapolis and moved here when I got married. So I've been here about 23 years. So I like to tell people I moved from one cold climate to the tropics because <laughs> Buffalo's not nearly as cold as my hometown. <laughs>
1: And what is Buffalo known for?
0: Well, we're known for two things. The thing we're probably most known for is Buffalo wings themselves or the home of the Buffalo wings. They were invented here. And then Niagara Falls is just really about 25 minutes from my house. So one of the seven natural wonders of the world is pretty much in my backyard. So that's pretty cool.
1: I see. Yeah. I've been there on the Canadian side. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's that bridge, right?
1: You go across the border, I think.
0: Yep. It's called the Rainbow Bridge. And we have the state park side on our side. And then the Canadian side. Uh, well, you've been there, so you know, it's a little more built up than our side. But from the Canadian side, you can see the whole falls, just the way it's located from our side of the falls, you can really only see like half of it, you know,
1: uh, okay, fair enough.
0: on top of the falls.
1: Yeah. Have you been across the bridge to look from the yeah. other side? Yeah. yeah. Is that quite easy for Americans and Canadians to go just across?
0: Yes. It's super I mean, it's very easy to get across. So during COVID it was impossible to get across, but now all those restrictions have finally been lifted. It took quite a while for the restrictions to get lifted, but you can easily cross now.
1: Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, that was quite a long time ago, Niagara Falls. Must be not like nearly ten years now. Oh, um, yeah. But well need, it hasn't changed. It. <laughs> yeah.
0: It looks the same as it has for thousands <laughs> of years, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, when you grew up in Minneapolis, where did the travel lust, maybe wanderlust come into it?
0: I actually know exactly how it happened. Ah. My, My parents were both travelers. My mom was quite a trailblazer. In the 60s, my mom, she grew up in Seattle and there was a ship that was going from Seattle to England. Okay, so how do you get from Seattle to England? You go through the Suez Canal up to New York and all the way over. So it was quite a... A big to do. I, I remember it was in the newspaper because she had a newspaper clipping that was in a scrapbook. Oh. Um, and so my mom, she got, a, found a job in the phone book in Seattle. She went to the library, found a job in the phone book and went to London and ended up staying where she got this job and ended up staying for several, three years. And she met my dad there. He was um, in the military at the army base in Frankfurt, Germany. So my mom was working as a waitress at the NCO Club in Frankfurt, and she met my dad, who was—I uh, don't know if he's an officer or whatever—he was in the military. So,
1: and then they moved back to US.
0: Yes. Yeah, so then they moved back to uh, Minneapolis. So, so my parents met traveling. You know, my mm. mom was really traveling. My dad was in the military, but then my parents were both um, big travelers. They ended up getting divorced lesson learned that you generally don't marry the person that you meet on vacation. Sometimes that doesn't translate so well to real life, but um, they're both travelers at heart. And my mom, even though we really didn't have a whole lot of money, uh, we always went on vacations. You know, we, my brother and sister and I can tell all sorts of stories of whack-a-doodle vacations. My mom took us on in a broken down car and our car was always breaking down. And we had a station wagon and did all sorts of road trips across the U S and um, so my mom was a big traveler and my, and my dad was too, but my mom who's 80 now still travels. She's still, she's going oh, wow. to Mexico city next week. Yeah. So oh. my mom was the real gypsy. My dad was too, to some extent, but my mom um, would even, you know, went by herself frequently on trips when that really wasn't the thing to do, especially in the early sixties, she went One of her trips was all around the Mediterranean in the 60s. She went to Syria, even Mm. Lebanon. I mean, so my love of travel came from my mom, but it was embedded in me because she had all these awesome scrapbooks that she kept in our front closet. And I would go sit in the front closet. We had a kind of a big front closet with carpet and we could shut the doors and turn the light on. So it was kind of like a little cave and I would read my mom's scrapbooks because she had the most amazing pictures. And then she would send postcards home to her parents in Seattle and her her parents kept them all and they were all in the scrapbook. So you could kind of like, if you took the scrapbook apart, you could figure out what, you know, what my mom wrote to her parents back in Seattle and where she was. And her pictures were always just really interesting to me. So I I always knew that when I graduated from high school, I wanted to backpack around Europe. Like I always knew that because my mom had kind of done that. And I just knew I was doing that. So it really is my, my mom, the, the, the gypsy
1: <laughs> so did your dad still just like travel with the military was that his travel
0: uh no well no so my dad did his stint in the military and then when they came back um my dad did travel he went to mexico many times he went to china but and he did my dad was a big road tripper yeah so he did a lot of road trips around the u.s and and we went to florida with them one time and when my parents were divorced like we did vacations between the two of them but they were always road trip kinds of things we weren't fancy vacationers at all they're all you know my mom's always included a broken down car (laughs) and camping and sometimes we didn't even have like I remember the one time she forgot the hammer to put the stakes in for the for the tent and so we had to use a rock well the you know the tent didn't really stay up too well that (laughs) night my dad's where we did a little bit like we had a hotel a motel when we would go with my dad yeah so you know yeah Fancy. but we were always <laughs> doing something you know there was always a, a trip involved when we were kids and it was great
1: that's great because the the road trip is a classic american thing isn't it because you can do that because it's so big but like, you can't really road trip in the uk i mean where you're going to go that like, takes like a couple hours to get pretty much across the country big stream but like right. it's not like us where you can travel for eight hours from where you are now to west and you're still going like right um, it's a proper journey into places that you probably can't even imagine
0: yeah i remember the first time well because my mom is from seattle and we were in minneapolis we went to seattle every you know every other year maybe and that yeah. i mean just getting from minneapolis to seattle was a three-day drive we would drive oh, wow <laughs> minneapolis to bismarck where my dad was from so my grandpa we would stay at my grandparents and yeah. then we would go to billings bozeman or some other place in montana and then all the way to seattle so even just that trip was three days just to get to to seattle and then however many days we'd stay there and then back or one time we drove to seattle and then we took the ferry up the panhandle Mm -hmm. all the way to alaska i don't even know if that exists anymore um that was great we camped out on the deck of the ferry yeah that was a great trip and one other time we went down the coast to um, northern california that was part of that whole seattle one another time we drove ironically out out here to where i'm from where i live now we went to montreal and quebec with my mom on a road trip and went past the falls and everything so florida we did one time so yeah you're right like i don't think about the road trips as being an american thing because i grew up with it but you're absolutely right you you're not taking a three-day road trip across the uk
1: (laughs) (laughs) no because you get some water
0: (laughs) pretty quickly
1: (laughs) yeah i think if you if you spoke to a lot of british people i think if you said to them oh you know what's us in terms of a vacation or a trip i think let's say one of two things one is going to disneyland or florida classic sunny place just a holiday or another yeah. two is like oh yeah it's like get a car out and just drive yeah i think we would probably lust after that a little bit i think people see that as such an extreme thing to do that we can't do in our own country but also it's america so we should be fine because they speak english mm-hmm. and Renting a car out, it's all right. You just drive on the other side of the road, and you'll be fine.
0: Yeah, well, the other side of the road thing seems like a you know that seems like a concern. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've gotten used to it. Yeah, over yeah. here it's obviously the same as you, but it's yeah. uh, I think the automatic cars help, but
0: yeah, absolutely. We'll come
1: to road trips in Greece because I got concerned with my car because it's manual, but on the left-hand side, which is an all different ball game. In US, when your mum was travelling with you, was that always? like just to get you out of like your local area just at least get you something per year where you see something new
0: you know what i've never asked my mom that question but i'm i'm sure that it was for us but equally if not more so for my mom because my mom was a big traveler and she always wanted to you know she had a vacation during the summer and she always wanted to do something i mean we never we always went on vacation every summer there was never a year that we didn't go and and we had no money my mom was a single parent with three kids like Mm. there wasn't extra cash and our car literally was falling apart every time we went somewhere i mean remember one time we went to seattle to visit my grandparents and we had the back door was shut with a bungee cord because otherwise it would fly open (laughs) and they were like you can't drive home with our grandchildren in the car like that but that's the only way that the car door stayed shut was a bungee mm. cord. And then one car we had, the floorboards were so rusted through that if we like we were, the kids weren't, you know, we we're in the back seat. If we pulled on the back, like to talk to my mom over the front seat, if we pulled the seat back, her, my mom is really short. Her foot would come off the gas pedal because oh. there was so much rust underneath the car. Like the this yeah, whole yeah. seat moved, like not just a little bit like rocked back. So we could go on and on about, the crappy cars my mom had, but we still went on vacation. You know, when my mom turned, I think when my mom turned 60, we did a really cool scrapbook for my, for my mom, my brother and sister. And I, we each wrote like this, an awesome letter about stuff that we remembered Mm. as kids. And my brother's whole letter was all about the cars that we had and, and the characteristics of each like crappy car we had, but we still went somewhere like my mom, the most expensive car my mom ever had cost
1: five hundred dollars yeah that's awesome yeah yeah but yeah there's a real effort there to get you out right out and about yeah that's pretty cool
0: we could only ever order off the kids' menu when we went out to eat because we never really went out to eat at home. But when we were on the road, you know, you got to go out to eat. Yeah, but yeah. We didn't have that much money. So my mom would always say, you have to order off the kids' menu because it was a lot cheaper. And we're like, but I'm not 12. You know? <laughs> but we had to pretend we were 12 so we could get the kids' meal.
1: <laughs> yeah, needs must and all that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, another question about your mom's travels. When she was all over, like, Syria and all these places, was that with your dad exclusively? No. Oh, it was on her own? No. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was.
0: She went with, I'd have to clarify what there was definitely not with my dad because my oh. dad was in the military. So no. So And I, my mom met my dad towards the end of her trip. You know, she was there for three years and she had she met oh. some other woman, ironically, from Seattle.
1: Yeah.
0: I should know the story, but I don't. She met another woman from Seattle who was traveling single, very strange that that would be the case, um, taking the train somewhere. And then they ended up. You know, they would work until they had enough money, then they would quit their job and then they yeah. would travel, work. And, and that's how she ended up at the NCO club waitressing because they had run out of money. Oh, so they got a job wow. there and then that's where she met my dad. But the the trip that she did around the Mediterranean when she went to um, Syria and Egypt and all those countries was was definitely with her friend Sue, not, not my dad. So can you imagine two single yeah. American ladies in their like um, early 20s? Yeah, traveling yeah. around in the 60s over there. I mean, I've, I only know that, my mom, the way she is. But looking back now as an adult, thinking, oh, my God, Mom, that was, like, pretty courageous. But Out she there. wouldn't say oh, it was yeah. courageous. It was just what she was doing, you know. It's, she wouldn't say it was anything special, mm. I don't think. She just was doing it.
1: It's pretty crazy that she got all that done before she met your dad because then she got, like, that experience of traveling either solo or with her friend. Yep,
0: yep. yep. Um, and her and my dad, I, you know – Again, I don't remember that much because my parents weren't married all that long, nine yeah, years. Yeah. I was just a kid, you know? So they went, I remember they went to Portugal shortly before they got divorced, you know? I mean, they did, they, my parents were two totally different people, but they did both love travel. So like, even though I sometimes couldn't understand why they even liked each other because they didn't <laughs> have that much in common, yeah. they they really both did love travel and And even as years went on and my dad actually ended up having cancer and wasn't able to travel towards the end of his life much. I, and my parents weren't really friends, but Mm. my dad would always ask about my mom's travels. He was always really interested Ah. in what my mom was doing and was she going to be safe? And where's your mom going now? And I could tell he envied that, that she was a, that she was, you thought it was pretty cool. She was still doing all that stuff. So.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think the only people I've met in a similar situation to that was, I said this on the podcast before, is we're in India in this random restaurant. It's actually like a, almost like a home restaurant, someone's home basically. This old Indian lady, this is in India, old Indian lady let us upstairs and served us like this home cooked food. And to the left of us were people that she knew and they are two French ladies. And this was in 2016 and they're about mid-60s at this point,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, which would work well with like being 40 years ago would have been like, I don't know, I can't do the mouse here, 76. Uh-huh. Um, I think they're about maybe late 60s. They're telling us, they're French, they're telling us that, yeah, they went on a road trip from Paris across to where your mum went to, like Mediterranean, Middle East. I think yeah. they even drove through Afghanistan and kept going east. And they're mm-hmm. like meeting back in India where they were before to talk about and get, catch up on their trip. And I thought that's unbelievable.
0: That is crazy.
1: Yeah. And they were two single lady friends at that time. Yeah. Maybe more. Like late 60s, but yeah, still.
0: That's awesome. I mean, that's the one thing. I I mean, I just came back from being in Europe traveling. I was part with my husband and then part solo for a while. I mean, you really just are reminded so much that there's so many people exactly like you traveling around by themselves. You know, like my friends here are always like, oh, you're going to do this by yourself. But I'm like, no, actually I am by myself, but my people, my people are all over there i I meet so many people who are exactly like me over there and or wherever you're traveling by yourself you just you you find that those people are doing the same thing as you so there's plenty of them out there
1: yeah i reckon a lot of people probably have partners who maybe not as interested in travel so what they're going to do are they going to stay at home and not do it or just go on their own or with a friend you just go on
0: your own if you're me
1: but yeah (laughs) my husband likes
0: My husband likes to travel too. He's just, he just, he's working and he can't always go. Yeah. And then I want to, I can never, I've let, you know, like many of your guests, I'm sure like an insatiable um, travel lust, you know, like I mm. could keep going and going and then every once in a while, come home and do laundry and sleep in my bed. But then I could, go, I'm ready to go again. You know, it's 48 yeah. hours go by and I'm ready to, ready to leave. So it's not because I don't like everyone in my house. It's just because <laughs> you know, the road is calling. What are you going to do? You got to answer, right?
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. I remember in 2013, I came back from a two-year trip pretty much. And wow. the first day I walked like through the city center where I live, I just popped into a travel shop. Someone who's a friend of my friends took a photograph of me walking into the shop and said, oh, he's back five minutes and he's already thinking about the next trip. And like that got like shared amongst my friends and that's a bit of a funny like, paparazzi yeah. moment. But yeah, like half a day, I was like, oh. Went to the city center, walked around. Yeah, it seems me, Went for a coffee. Yeah. Oh, what should I think about? Oh, maybe where I can go next?
0: Yes. Yeah. So I, I bet you did something like me. So sometimes if I have like a quiet moment by myself and I just want to zone out, I'll look at airline tickets and then I'll look at Airbnbs and the place like hmm, I could go here. <laughs> you know, uh, in, in next month I could go there and I could rent this Airbnb. That's like my entertainment.
1: <laughs> yeah. Some people might have that as shopping, like for things or clothes yeah. or gaming but you're right. right i get a little buzz if i'm just sitting there oh, i'll just nip on the sky scanner and just see what's about yeah it could be like real like like uh innocent like oh just what can you fly from here to here is that possible let's see yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. if your addiction is sky scanner or google flights i think that's pretty good <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i'll take that <laughs> definitely take that the problem is though what i found living here in Canada, like flying internally. So expensive, oh, yeah. Vancouver to Toronto, five yeah. hours, real expensive. I was yeah. like, oh, and what I didn't appreciate being from Europe is that Europe travels so cheap, oh. um, flying from yeah. London to Athens in December is like $20 one way. I'm like, why did I not do more of this when I was younger? But hey, you yeah. kind of learn and oh, I'll do it next time. But yeah, so right. I kind of realized that I didn't appreciate where, where I was from more originally in terms of right. how cheap it is to fly to different countries.
0: I get it because being from Minneapolis, Minneapolis is a much bigger city than Buffalo and it's a hub for many airlines. And so you can fly to almost everywhere in the world from Minneapolis. Well, in Buffalo, we're not a hub for anybody. I can't go anywhere. You know, I can't even fly to you know, lots of places in the U S from here, I have to go to oh. another place and then go. So, I mean, if I ever move from Buffalo one day, I'm definitely, that's on my checklist. It has to be a city with more of a international hub yeah. for an airport. Cause it's just kind of annoying, you know, <laughs> but on yeah. the flip side, our airport is tiny and it takes like five minutes to go through security. Yeah, it's exactly. eight minutes from my house. You know, you can't get to Athens and you know, eight hours from here you gotta spend a half a day if you're lucky to get there you know
1: <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right even my home city is so small but i have an international airport but what that basically means is it's half an hour flight to amsterdam so from okay. amsterdam you can get to anywhere so it's like oh right. you can go anywhere yeah. in the world from norwich well you yep. can indirectly yeah but I, I think i'd rather have a quiet airport these days. Uh, I've, I've started to appreciate that
0: it is pretty nice it, mm. it, it is nice, but I, I think I like the international get there faster thing, but hard to say half a dozen of one, three or six of the other, right? Yeah, that's
1: <laughs> it. Yeah. So on my notes, you've got that you backpacked around Europe at 19.
0: I did, because like I mentioned, I was always, I always, I always knew I was doing that. And so after my, fr- like during my freshman year of college, I, just, I worked as a waitress and I was like fastidious about saving my money. I was, you know, I was a college kid. I didn't have much money. I waited on tables, but I, I went to the bank every Monday, every Monday I deposited my money. I knew exactly how much money I needed for an airline ticket. I knew exactly how much I needed for my URL ticket at the time Yeah. and whatever my spending money for the day was going to be, what was it? $30 a day or something, maybe mm. $50. I don't know, whatever it was at the time. Um, and then I backpacked around Europe. So I went, uh, I started in Amsterdam and kind of did, you know, counterclockwise the whole way and then uh, loved it. I mean, I loved it, gone for three months, loved it, met great people. And I have a funny story to share about my backpacking around Europe thing. So while I was backpacking, I met this gal named Shelly, who was also from Minneapolis.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: along the and I met her in Nice, at, in nice somewhere. Yeah. And then along the way, we hooked up with this girl named Jacqueline by accident at a youth. This girl Shelly, I had planned to meet in Nice, you know. So that was one thing. But Jack, we always stayed at youth hostels, trying to save money, and plus those are the most yep. fun places to stay. Yeah. So we were. It was at a youth hostel in Florence that we were talking about laundry soap. We must have had to do our laundry, <laughs> and then we just met this girl named Jacqueline, and we ended up hanging with her for the rest of the trip. And I saw them last weekend in Vegas. So every, so that trip was 34 years ago.
2: Yeah.
0: Every few years we get together somewhere. And it would just happen to be last weekend. So, and this is the day before the internet. Like we used to write each other letters to stay in touch and expensive phone calls to stay in touch. And then it was like emails to stay in touch. And now it's WhatsApp. And, uh, both those gals ended up becoming flight attendants. Oh, It's And it's just kind of funny. So we had a great time in Vegas last weekend and it all was from, I mean, lifelong friends from backpacking when I was 19 years old. We told we told the story of how we met to anyone who would listen last weekend in Vegas because <laughs> they all thought it was so crazy.
1: <laughs> and may I ask what year, what decade is this?
0: When we met, it was the summer of
1: 1988. 88, okay, got mm-hmm. it. So back in 88, bloody hell, that's a long time ago in terms of like traveling now is so different, right? Oh, I mean, we had
0: a let's we had one of those. Let's go. Let's go. Europe's, you know, that was like four inches thick. Yeah. And you, I mean, you that you needed that. You could not have that. And now, of course, you just have your phone and everything's on there. But I mean, we lived out of that thing like it was a Bible.
1: So how did you book like accommodation, for example?
0: Um, we just whenever we got to a city, we just figured it out. So like in Greece okay. at the time, you know, it, it, in Greece, you would just get off the ferry boat and then there would be like people with a sign that would say oh, yeah. rooms for let. And then we would <laughs> and then we would just go with them. I mean, <laughs> it's sounds so crazy now. Like, oh, yeah, we just followed this person to their house. Like, you know, a bunch of girls like it, it seems ludicrous. But, um, yeah, we always found a we always found a place. And plus, in the Let's Go book, there was a, you know, it would give you like the recommendations for three or four places. And we would call and uh, yeah, like pray that somebody answered the phone who spoke English because. Mm. You know, and then figuring out how to use the payphone, the whole, it, it is all so different. And then, of course, like now there's Google Maps and back then, oh, was, like, you know, yeah, you just were like, turn left at the ice cream shop and then you go straight for about five minutes and like pray that you found the place. But <laughs> that was part of the adventure.
1: Yeah, I know. You know part yeah. of the
0: adventure was like, I don't know if we turn left or right here, but we'll figure it out.
1: Because adventure nowadays is quite hard because it's so easy on your phone, isn't it? like I talked about this on the last episode about you have to be you have to choose like do you want to have a bit of adventure like not use your phone and like forcefully not use it or don't get internet and then you're kind of like forced into your scenario where you've got to turn up try and find somewhere and it's a bit of an adventure or do you go with ease book it because you know the recommendation and save time
0: Yeah. I think it depends what your goal of your trip is because Mm -hmm. like on this last one that I just went to, when I just backpacked or when I just was uh, going island hopping in Greece, I didn't do any of my stuff ahead of time. I did a couple of, I did my first two days just because the trip I had gone on before that, I didn't book anything. And it was like, I didn't like the way I felt on the first day. I was like, all right, I just got to get one hotel on the first day and the rest I'll figure out as I go. But it was also the off season. Like you can't always, it depends when you're traveling.
2: Yes. You know, in the off
0: season, then you're, you feel pretty confident you're going to find something. But the time before that, when I was in Greece, I did not book my last night's accommodations, which I thought was going to be, oh, no big deal. Athens, I'll... there was nothing in Athens. And that ended oh, up wow. being so stressful that um, I, I, I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> that was a bad, okay. that was, that was it one, that was the one time on that trip where my, like, I kept saying the theme of that trip was I was going to go where the wind took me. Yeah. Uh, just it worked every day except for the last night, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, for your backpacking trip in Europe, what were some of your favorite spots off the top of your head?
0: Off the top of my head, my favorite spots. I mean, I had already loved, I'd already been to Greece before, and that is my like favorite, favorite place. So, of yeah. course, I loved it there. And I loved, I loved Capri in Italy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I loved Pompeii. I love archaeology. So that's why I liked Pompeii. Yeah. But that, it, it was like magical to me. So, and, and because I think I'm from a cold place, I love the Mediterranean. So while I liked France and all that, and I loved Paris, but I had been to Paris before, and I went to Amsterdam, and I happened to get there the second day I was there. Um, Amsterdam won the World Cup. So it was like <laughs> fr- crazy, and I was traveling by myself, and it was the first time I had traveled by myself and I was only 19.
2: That mm-hmm. was like
0: a little overwhelming. So yeah. even though I liked Amsterdam, I loved Anne Frank House and stuff, The actually being thrown into them winning the world cup was like a little too much for my little (laughs) 19 year old solo self from Minneapolis. It was like, what is (laughs) happening here? (laughs) But I am more of a, a Mediterranean kind of gal. It's funny. I'm German. You know, my, my parents met in Germany, but my dad is actually 100% German, just from North Dakota. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. Germany, I, I like Germany. It was beautiful, but it reminded me of home. Like, I didn't really need to be there. Like, okay, I, you know, I like to go where it doesn't feel exactly like home, you know?
1: Okay, that's awesome. And then you went around Europe on the train, interrail.
0: On the train, I loved. Train yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they still call it a URL pass or not in yeah. anymore, even, but Yeah. 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 I mean, we got the one you can just hop on, hop off for three yeah. months or whatever it was. And it was the best. I mean, we'd use it as a hotel because, you know, we had no money. So like, OK, if we take the overnight train from Barcelona <laughs> to wherever, you know, like, OK, we can get on the train at 11 o'clock and then we get there at 8. OK, that'll be good. Oh, I thought of another thing when I backpacked. I don't know how I forget this one. One of my top 10 experiences ever is I went to Pamplona for the running of the Bulls. I mean, that's pretty magical. That's yeah. yeah.
1: pretty insane. Intense.
0: absolutely insane but i mean i'll never forget i'll, I'll it's like seared in my <laughs> brain that experience because the the whole like we we didn't we didn't have a hotel of course because we didn't really know we were going to the last minute so we took the train we literally put our backpacks in a bush in a bush <gasps> we hid them behind a bush <gasps> With our passports in them. Like, how stupid <laughs>
1: were we? What the hell?
0: But we couldn't carry them anymore. Like, we were going into the town. We couldn't carry them anymore. We put them behind this bush. With, just ridiculous. And then um, stayed up all night with everyone partying and, what, yeah. and whatnot and fireworks going off. And then you watch the in the morning the bulls come down the street and the steam out their nostrils and the excitement and testosterone in the air. I mean, and the pounding of the bull. It was incredible I, I didn't like well then we went to the bowl ring and i didn't like that part at all but yeah. um then we left <laughs> then we went to san sebastian for the day <laughs> <laughs> found our backpacks that nobody had stolen wow and went to san sebastian for the day and laid on the beach but i mean such a crazy experience
1: that's a crazy i mean at least take your passport
0: uh, we, we were just stu- we were 19 <laughs> like yeah i know yeah i don't know why we didn't carry them but we didn't
1: you got away with it so it's fine
0: yeah, I mean, it worked out fine. It could have, and you know what? If it hadn't worked out, we would have been like, oh, oh well, it was, you know, like we had such a great <laughs> time. Like you're so stupid that you don't know how, like, how terrible it would have been to like, like we would have been stuck in Spain for a long time if we yeah, had lost yeah, those yeah, things. yeah, but absolutely. We, we were just thinking about we had to get to the Pamplona for the running of the bulls, and the backpack was getting in our way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lots of more questions about packing Europe at your time and these days. So the interval pass is the same. That's fine,
0: okay. but these
1: days it's the Euro. So one currency, like how was yep. that for you going to each country with different currency, I guess, Like, how'd you deal with that?
0: It was always confusing because you never knew how much anything was really yeah. because yeah. like, Oh, you're going to use this currency for five days and then you're on to the next one. And then I remember, um, as you're getting ready to like, okay, I'm going to be here a day or two more, never knowing exactly how many, uh, you know, at the time it was American express travelers checks that you had to cash in. And they oh. were like, In denominations of 25, 50 or 100, man, if you had one for 100, that was a lot of, that was big money, you know, Yeah, yeah. and never knowing like, okay, can I make it on the whatever change I have in my bag for, for, you know, for the next day, or do I have to cash in the 25 one or the $50 (laughs) one, you know, and then am I going to be stuck with the franc before I get to the lira? Or, and then like trading money with your friends, like, okay, you have whatever, $10 left or whatever. How about we you pay for dinner tonight in your lira and then I'll pay for dinner tomorrow when we get to Greece and drachmas. You know, like
1: negotiating
0: yeah. how, the, because you never wanted to leave with a bunch of money in your pocket because it was like lost money, really. Yeah,
1: it's worthless. Yeah, I guess in the end. Yeah, so yeah.
0: Th- there was always some banter with friends over cash.
1: Okay, got it. And you mentioned before you had this big book you're traveling with oh yeah i mean did you ever consider not traveling with that and just like literally winging it as much as possible or was that was that a godsend i oh, okay, you still got nope, it
0: i yeah. literally still have the book it's in <laughs> our office on the bookshelf it's like so deteriorated but we recently moved and you know pr- into a smaller house and purged a lot of things but my let's go europe i mean that that that's like a bible And and, because I had pages highlighted and the whole cover is not even attached. And there's a bookmark in it from Amsterdam. It was a train or trolley in Amsterdam, that thing, whatever that is. Mm. There's a train ticket in there for a bookmark. been in there for 30 years. Wow. But I told my husband never get rid of this book. Like when I pass away, the kids (laughs) won't appreciate this book, but hand this book down to somebody because this was like, I mean, that we lived by that thing for three months and, 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 And I, that trip formed me. I mean, that was like a, that trip was such a foundational thing for me as a person. And that book, other than my scrapbooks, it's all represented in that book. So Mm. I I still have it. It's falling apart. All the pages are yellow. If you open it, it feels like it's going to crack. But yeah, it's probably this thick and still with the yellow highlights with my highlighter pen from college.
1: (laughs) that's, That's so like nostalgic. That's awesome, yeah.
0: I'm kind of sentimental
1: <laughs> I, i'm not sentimental in real life but sentimental probably in travel 100 yeah. percent. yeah 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 um yeah. my next question is you mentioned your two friends you met in vegas so you kept in contact yeah. with those yeah was there people that you really liked that you met on the trip but you just couldn't get back in contact with because nowadays you add them on facebook or instagram is easy it's done in a second but in those days like back and then you what you write them a letter or you find their address or a phone no number? so
0: i had I was a good journal writer. So I would write in my journal. And then I would, if there were people that I really enjoyed, they would just write their name and address in my in the back of my journal which got of course it. I still have every journal too. I, yeah. the, the handwriting's so small though I can't even read it but um, <laughs> as a matter of fact what, the last time the three of us girls got together the, the backpacker girls someone brought their journal and we were dying laughing and then everyone's putting on their glasses because we can't <laughs> the, you know, our writing was so tiny <laughs> or then something funny would happen and then there would be like we met a group of people and then there wouldn't be a journal entry for like five more days
2: because right. you're
0: having too much fun at night so yeah, why would yeah. you write in the journal yeah Um. I'm sure there are but I don't even remember who they are I mean I always remember there was this guy that we met in Paris or in um, Amsterdam his name was Sasha Paris and okay. I remember him because his name was like so he had the most amazing name Sasha Paris I just yeah. thought it was great I mean I'd love to know what happened to that guy and then when Facebook first came out I remember one time on like a slow night I kind of went through my thing and looked up a few people yeah, And yeah. there was one one, one guy that I met at Pamplona for the running of the bulls, and then he we traveled with him for a while, and he actually came to visit me in Minneapolis. And we were always only friends, and he and I are Facebook buddies, but I've never actually communicated with him on Facebook other than I see his pictures of his kids. So oh, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: The, I was always a really good keep in touch with people, so if yeah. I like these two girls are, they're, they're still my really good friends. So got it. if I needed to know where you were, I, I know where you are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fair enough. Okay. And we're going to move quickly on to before Greece, you got Peru. So I've been to Peru. Yeah. Is, that, is that classic Machu Picchu and all that?
0: Yeah. Actually a friend of mine owns an adventure tour company called KB Tours, and he does adventure tours in Peru as a specialty. And uh i guess we went on that trip like six or seven years ago and he just he always wanted me to go and i just i don't know i just wasn't into it i gotta say but he would send me these he kept sending me pictures and his pictures were so amazing that finally i was like you know what one day he's not going to own this travel company anymore and i'm going to regret not having gone and so my husband and i went and it was amazing of course just it was just like his photos were and Sounds like you've been to Peru too. And Machu Picchu was great. And it was an adventure too. We did mountain biking and zip lining and all. Oh, wow. and all rafting that rafting and all sorts of, stayed in a treehouse one night. I mean, it was almost a little too rustic for me at times. I was like, <laughs> okay, I don't really like this treehouse thing, but okay.
1: Wow. And <laughs> where's that tour company based? Is that based in the U.S.? Colorado. So he's a friend of mine
0: from Minnesota and he used to run a bike tour company for college kids. And then, but he was my age. And then we, he moved to Colorado and then I don't even remember how we started doing tours in, in Peru, but now he does, he still does all the biking tours in Peru. He actually just did a, um, Red Bull, he's one of the guys that helps do this Red Bull race con kind of bike mountain biking thing there. Um and then he also does tours now in he was doing them in Cuba for a while. I'm not sure if that's still on, but mm. Iceland and Spain.
1: Okay, I'll check him out. So what he's yeah, cool doing to. KB
0: tours. <laughs> KB
1: tours, okay. And last country here on the notes, yeah, you know, part of Europe, technically, Turkey. Yeah. So was that a separate trip?
0: So Turkey, we did a few years ago, uh, as part of a crew, we did a Mediterranean cruise about 11 years ago, and we went to a couple stops on in Turkey. And then we were just that when I was just in Europe, we did Turkey for two weeks on a sailing yeah. trip. Uh, it was actually an archeological sale, which was amazing with the tour company out of the UK called Peter Summers tours. And they specialize in tiny group travel. There were only 13 passengers on our ship. Awesome. I mean, I I couldn't recommend that any higher. I mean, the, it was an amazing trip. The tour itself was amazing. The people, the other 13 passengers were equally as interesting, you know, mm. just very well educated, very well traveled, fascinating conversations around the dinner table. I mean, we ate every meal together. Yeah. So by the end of the trip, they were like your brothers and sisters, you know, so um, real And I, and the country of Turkey. I mean, how can you not like it? It's spectacular. You know, it's. It's beautiful. Yeah. I loved it.
1: I love to go there to see all the history the architecture, the coffee, the foods. Yeah. I mean, they've got the coastline, they've got everything there. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: we did the whole, we did the Lycian or the Carian coast, is what we did. Yeah. And so we started in Bodrum and we ended in Fethia. Go check is where we actually ended. And then I, then I took the ferry from Fethia over to Rhodes.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. It's pretty close up there, isn't it?
0: Yeah, really close, like an yeah. hour ferry ride, yeah. I mean, you can see it practically from where you're standing when you're in Turkey. It's like, what's right there? I can just swim over there, but you can't.
1: <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. That's awesome. So we're going to move on to the main part of this podcast episode, which is Greece. Yes. So you love Greece. Love How many it. times have you been?
0: I think that I just went by 18th time. I kind of lost track. So I think that was either 18 or 19 when I just came. I was just there two weeks ago, so.
1: Okay, and when did you first travel and why was it such a thing for you for Greece? So
0: there's a couple of things there. So my mom had gone to Greece. So that was already in, in my yeah. mom's pictures, you know, that was in there. And then when I was in 11th grade, my really good friend, her father went on sabbat. He was a music professor and he went on sabbatical to Athens. And so my girlfriend had to live in it, had to, got to live in Athens for a year. And then on spring break, another friend of mine and I uh, went to Athens for spring break. We were in 11th grade. So you go on a trip and her mom was very liberal and was very like, we got to do a lot of things. You know, we got to, we went all around Athens and a couple of day trips. And then we went to Mykonos, Santorini and Crete by ourselves on the ferry. We flew to one Island and then we ferried to the rest. But I mean, we were 16, 17 years old. That was like, oh my God, like such freedom. And of course it left (laughs) such a huge impression and, and I loved it. And so it was really from that, that gave me my love of Greece was when my girlfriend's We had the opportunity to go over there because her dad was a music professor.
1: Yeah, and mid-80s, this would have been? That was 1985. So, Santorini and Mykonos, back in those days, that must have been just like pure Greek. Unlike these days where it's all over social media, it's almost generic Greece, and it's almost over-photographed. Back in yeah. those days, that must have been like popular, but not, not as popular as now, surely not.
0: And we were there in spring break too. So it was cool. Like we always joke we had to buy sweaters. Like we went to the beach, oh. but we were realistically like the only people at the beach because it was April and it was it was cold, you know, yeah, it was yeah.
2: cold. Yeah.
0: So um yeah, but I loved it. We were at like on Santorini. We we flew to Santorini actually on like the airplane with the propellers, you yeah. know. And uh we rented mopeds, and that's where you know got off the ferry and we just went with somebody to their house. They had a room to let, and then we went to Mykonos and then to, to Crete. And yeah, I didn't know if it was real Greece or not, because I was too young. It was just Greece. Now, of course, now I, I mean, I was just on Santorini three weeks ago. It's not at all the same as when I went, you know, many years ago, Mm. not at all the same, but it it was, it was pretty great. I mean, it left an impression when I was a, 16 or 17 however old I was on that trip
1: wow and both those islands I'm more towards Santorini and Mykonos is it the classic yeah. like behind you you got like the white buildings with the blue uh, roof is it all yeah. that like just yeah. all over the island
0: uh, on Santorini yeah and Mykonos the same thing and it's funny like because I was just on Santorini uh, and I had been there many many years ago it was it was so, the difference between when I went for the first time versus what it is now is, is amazing. There was so much more green space, so many more, um, the grapevines growing and just like a blank space of agriculture. And now it's like building, building, building. And Uh, then so many tour buses, like so many tour buses, because there were no cruises going 30 You know, I don't want to say how many years ago that was because I, Oh, be like sick to my stomach if I actually admit how long ago it was, <laughs> but it's just a whole different thing. So many people. I mean, I just went in October towards the end of October. When was I there? Like October 10th, something like that. Yeah. And there were so many people, like I couldn't believe how many people were there and it's far from peak season, but I, I don't know that Santorini, like <laughs> it, it's just so busy now with it's still Greece. To me, it's like going to Florida.
1: Like exactly, like it's like going to
0: Florida, it's Greece, but but it's not like everything's really expensive, and and it's not, it's like the Disneyland version of Greece. It's gorgeous, don't get me wrong, it's beautiful. But once you've traveled all over Greece, like I have, it doesn't hold this place for me. I'd rather go to more a little raw, unfiltered, untouched yeah. Greece than, than that. And I actually only went to Santorini this time because I got stuck there because uh. I needed to go to Santorini to switch ferries to go to the island of Anafi and the winds were too bad. So the ferry wasn't going to Anafi. So I had to stay on Santorini for two days to catch the next ferry to Anafi because it only goes three times a week at this time of the year. Mm. And then the winds were so bad no ferries even went to Santorini like they all got canceled in the in the uh I don't think call it the, the southern Aegean yeah so then I had to stay even more days on Santorini again it's not the worst of things I've been there many times I found other things to do but yeah. it was just kind of funny like I wasn't even supposed to be there but I was glad I was there because I met some awesome people
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I understand why people want to go there because you see the photos you think why yeah. would not you want to go and visit Right. It's a shame that those those places are kind of just overcrowded now a little bit, especially in peak season.
0: Yeah, and, and it's the, you know, hey, I went there on a cruise myself, you know, like, mm. so I don't, don't want to uh, badmouth the cruises, but they need to not have as many cruise ships a day. I mean, when there's seven cruise ships in the <sighs> caldera, thousands and thousands and thousands of people descend on this town that was not built for that. It just can't, it just can't handle it. And the roads, I mean, you know, the roads are tiny and all yeah. these tour buses it's just um there's nothing quaint uh, the the quaint part is it's not there anymore but you can find it in plenty other places so it's okay
1: (laughs) yeah because i look at other people who have been to greece and give their like recommendations and it all say mykonos and santorini i'm like that's not a recommendation like we all know that like even the person who doesn't know anything about greece probably knows athens and probably santorini right
0: right it's, right
1: it's almost a bit cliche and i'm sure it is awesome to go to but the reason as we'll come to the minute i picked carpathos is because i've never heard of it and i can't find right. much about it so that, that's yep. an adventure for me um yeah but when you start to like research all these different islands and look on google images they all got that they've all got that, that white housing like built up mm-hmm. along the coast haven't they so i don't know why santorini has been chosen as the one
0: I have a couple of theories on that. If you yeah. want to know what, yeah, 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 yeah. like yeah. for one of them, one is it was one of the first of those islands to get an international airport.
1: Uh, so okay. when
0: you have an international airport, you can fly direct from Heathrow right there. You know what I uh, mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it, it's easy to get there direct from a lot of places. Um, and then, you know, Instagram, I mean, it is the most, I mean, it, Mykonos and Santorini are so Instagrammable that, that, that has made it. <laughs> And and Mykonos, it has an international airport, too. So more people just kept coming. I mean, and they're going to yes. keep coming until there's no space left. But the infrastructure is just not made for as many people as are that are there. I mean, it's crazy.
1: Did <laughs> a the cruise ship, so they dock there in Santorini Island? So
0: in, San, in Santorini, there's two ports. There's the main port where the like if you're taking a ferry from island to island that That come and drop people off. That's the main part with like this crazy road that goes like this. And then there's the old part, which is at the base of the town that looks like what's behind me. And that's where like the cruise ships will all anchor out in the caldera. And then they'll use the tenders to bring people in right there. Because Mm -hmm. then at that one, right at the top is the town of Fira. So you can either take the donkeys up or take this funicular up. You can't do, the big port doesn't drop you off at a town. It drops you off at a port far away.
1: Got it. Yeah. Those cruise ships, they cause a bit of carnage, shouldn't they? Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're, you know, again, they're, they're great for what they are. I've been on a few cruises, you know, it's awesome. You pack one time, you unpack, you know, you unpack your clothes once and then you don't never have to worry about renting a car or anything. You get a taste of many different cities and then you decide, all right, at the end of the, you know, then I didn't like this port, but I loved this one. So next time I'll spend a week there. So it's, it's great, but I think, my personal opinion is they just got to like limit the amount in yeah. in places like Santorini and Venice because they the towns just aren't meant to handle that many people, you know? And the locals
1: I guess as well might get slightly annoyed. I don't know. I can't decide if they would cuz they need the money or you know, maybe they they would because they just want a bit of space sometimes. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Probably each pe- person has a different, you know, if you're in, if if you're in the business of tourism, you know, it's probably a, a blessing and a curse. You know, always yeah. your rooms are going to be booked, but you're not going to get any sleep.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a case for a lot of like tourist based countries, right? They yeah. probably don't want as many tourists, but they need it because it's kind of what feeds the the right. mouths, I guess, with the money. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a difficult one that. And what made you want to keep going back to Greece as a whole?
0: Uh, it's just the place I've always felt most at home for for whatever reason, I, I don't really know why. Again, I think I'm from a cold city, so I like to be warm. It's, I usually go there when it's warm. And I've always liked history and old buildings. When I started college, I wanted my major to be Roman and Greek architecture and archaeology. Oh, so nice. that fit perfectly, yeah, yeah, which is why we picked this archaeological tour that we just went on in Turkey. So um, I just always liked it. I liked the people. I liked the food. I liked the country. The people are amazing. They're, you know, they, they, it's in their culture to be hospitable and warm and and inviting. And as a young person, when I went, I felt all of that. And I felt that every single time I've gone, like Greece never disappoints to me. You Mm. know, like if you want a sure thing for me, I go there. I mean, I could go to thousands of other places like we all could, but for some reason, I just always want to go to Santorini because I feel like a part of me is there. It's like, when Mm. I go there, I like, when I go there, it's like, oh, my whole, like now I'm whole. When I get there, the the missing piece that's missing in Buffalo, it's, it's over there. And when I get there then I'm like, okay, I'm all together now.
1: (laughs) You kind of find that one place, don't you? When you travel where it just gets you, maybe it's a few places, but.
0: I wish it wasn't so far away. And I (laughs) wish that I could, no, really like, I wish it wasn't so far away and i wish i could figure out a way to you know again the, for probably for another conversation but you know to be a digital nomad where i could work from somewhere else and, and just work and go and working and, like, like my mom did, you know, mm. but a little more secure than my mom did it. You know, she would just quit, <laughs> find the next waitressing job. I like something a little more secure, <laughs> but the, but the, the thought of being able to be in the place that you really love and, and work there would be pretty cool. But then it's like, well, when I get sick of it, so I mm. never want the romance of it to go away, which is why I always try to go to someplace different because that's what will keep it I never want to get bored there
1: yeah we're going to come to some places that you've been to in a sec um because there's so many places to go in Greece it's quite it's actually quite overwhelming when I was looking looking booking my trip I was like where the hell do I go that's not Santorini and not Mykonos
0: right Um, right
1: and I'll come to that in a second but my final question before that is well if you're going to Greece so many times you must have built up some relationships on different in different places right and that people that you've met or the locals there. So that must be quite yeah. cool to go back and see them.
0: It is. So I, I have actually a good story and of all places Santorini because I have been to Santorini yeah. five, I think five times, you know, it's a story of part of the reason why I like it there. So on one of them, it was like my second trip to Santorini. So the one time I went with my girlfriends and then, then, well, then I backpacked another time, but anyways, it was one of my early trips to Santorini, like maybe the third time. And mm. I, I, I knew I loved Greece and I had no money, you know, and, but I, I wanted to buy a really nice piece of jewelry as a souvenir. And so I went to this jewelry shop and I actually, I'm wearing it right now. I wear it all the time.
2: Oh. Yeah, necklace. Yeah.
0: Um, I bought this gold necklace. I have no idea how I afforded it. I think it was the first time I ever put something on a credit card because <laughs> there's no way I could have afforded this as a backpacker, but I wanted it and I knew that I loved it. Yeah. And so anyways, I was talking with the shopkeeper and he was amazing. Like he was just this amazing guy. And so every time I go to Santorini, I stop in at Greco Gold and I, ta- I, I saw him the other day when I was there. So his two sons are twins and they run the shop now, but the dad... they 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 know me because every time i go to greece i every time i go to santorini i stop in there and i bought a few pieces of jewelry nothing ever very expensive but i i love to talk to them they're like the nicest people (laughs) and i had sent them a a thank you card a few years ago when i went with my daughter and we bought her a nice pair of earrings there and when i stopped in the other day they had no idea i was coming i mean no you know i just walk in out of the blue they knew exactly who i was (laughs) and they went to their photo they went to their photo album and they pulled out the thank you card that I had sent them years ago. And yeah. they remembered, I thought I hadn't been there in 10 years. And they're like, no, you were here a couple of years ago with your daughter. Remember? They're just amazing people, you know? So little funny stor- stories like, that. I mean, I don't know locals everywhere, but I make it a point to try and meet the regular everyday people. And on Santorini again, too, it's funny we're saying. Santorini's is a, a, a kind of anomaly, but... When I was there the other day too, I was riding the bus and the bus was packed, so packed. And then there was this kid taking the tickets to taking your money when you get on and there was no place to sit, but there was a spot next to me. And I was kind of nervous about where I got off. I wasn't exactly sure where my bus stop was. Mm. And so I said to the kid, can you, can you come sit with me? I got a spot where you come sit with me. So we ended up chit-chatting. We had a lot like A lovely conversation for 20 minutes on the bus. He was from Athens, works there every summer. It was crazy over the summer. I couldn't wait to be done and go back to Athens. He had like three more weeks and then his kind of contract was over. And then two days later, I saw him again, sat down next to me, lovely conversation. He told me he'd been a troublemaker his whole life, (laughs) running the streets of Athens. You know, like I always try to meet the shopkeepers, the, the regular people, not you know, when I go on vacation, I, I don't really want to be with Americans. Like I'm with Americans every day. They're fine. They're great. But I, I go on vacation. I prefer to go where I'm the only American. The folks I'm with are, are excited to practice their English with me. You know, yeah. it always makes me feel terrible that I, I only know English and a little bit of French. I'm so fascinated by people who can hold a conversation in a, in another language. Like it's one of those like I, you know, I wish I had it. So I'm more enamored by it because I I don't have the gift of language, you know? Mm. So I really do try to meet people wherever I go. I make it like a game with myself, especially when I'm by myself. Like, okay, I'm sitting down to dinner by myself tonight. How many, uh, do I see another single person sitting at a table? Okay, I do. How can I make conversation with them before I leave? And it works every time, you know? works every time. Best way to do it. (laughs) For
1: Santorini to finish off,
0: Yeah, let's finish that one off.
1: Yeah, is there any like hidden gems or advice that you give to someone not to do the obvious thing? Like, would you recommend something on Santorini that's not quite as generic or popular?
0: Yes. So, and I did a couple of those things this time because, like I said, I wasn't supposed to be there, and I didn't. I was kind of, was kind of annoyed I was there because I really wanted to be on this other island, and it just was not possible. So, there's a hike that you can do from the town of Fira to the town of Ia. It takes about three hours, depending on how fast you walk starts out pretty easy, but it gets a little gritty in the middle, but it's gorgeous, super windy. It's spectacular. Like leave in the morning, take plenty of water, wear sunscreen and just mm. do this hike. You, you start at one end or the other, take the bus back to wherever you started from. It's yeah. spectacular. That's the hike from Ia That's great. And then this last time I was there, I went to two different towns. Um, one was, I think it's called Piergos or Piergi. Uh, it's just an old fortified town with like, when you walk up to the old kind of walled city, there's all these like brightly colored different doors on all the old buildings. Like it was just kind of a place I, I hadn't been before. Yeah. And that's where I took the bus where I had to, the kids sat next to me because I wasn't exactly sure where to get off the bus stop, you know? And then there was another town in the name, I'm it's going to escape me right now, but Lahori. Um, same sort of thing, like an old, an older town on Santorini. That's not Fira or Ia. I mean, Fira and Ia are the two main towns on Santorini that are right on the caldera. These yeah. two towns I'm talking about are more inland, um, you uh, know, different, different, you know, like if you're on a cruise ship, you're going to go to Fira or Ia for the day. You know, if you're there for many days, you'll do this other, you'll do these other things, you know?
1: So what's the one you see on Instagram? What's, what's that town you know by the coast like going down
0: well there's two so it just depends Fira is the main town and then E is at the very top where people tend to go for the sunset but it's like well let's be real the sunset is exactly the same like (laughs) you know like I wouldn't go to E for the sunset there's way too many people there it's like annoying you know like more than annoying I would never go there for the sunset just like stay up all night and go there for the sunrise, call it a day. Like, you know, but, and same with like Fira, you can, you can walk, you can, it's a little bit easier to get a good viewing spot in Fira because it's hard to explain, but there's just more room, you know, there's more yeah. room in Fira. Yeah. Like there's just so many people there to watch the sunset. It's like the sunset is the sunset everywhere on the Island. Just go to the edge somewhere and look, I would never go to EF for the sunset. It's overrated.
1: <laughs> okay. That's a great tip. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So we're going to yeah. move on to some place that you have been to in Greece that maybe listeners might not have heard of. And I might give them some ideas maybe to go there instead of the yeah. usual islands. So the first one on my list um, that I've not really heard much about is Sifnos.
0: I love Sifnos, I don't. I, I almost don't want to talk about it because I don't want <laughs> I you, to yes. like to find out about Sifnos. But that I've been there twice this year, and that that might be my place. You know, for a long oh, time really? my place was Santorini until it's just gotten too much. But yeah, um, Sifnos. It's on the same. Um, it's a Cycladic island, so it looks a lot like Santorini with the white buildings yeah. and and. But it doesn't have the cliffs like Santorini used to be. An old volcano, you know, that caved in. So. Um, Um, SIFNOS is not that, but it's really hilly and there's all kinds of walking paths that that's really cool. There's a organization, I think it's called SIFNOS trails and, um, they have really well marked trails everywhere on SIFNOS. And so that's Mm. like, there's, there's lots of things to do there. Like, first of all, you arrive via the, there's not an airport. So you arrive via the port. And I love when you arrive on an Island and you just walk off the ferry and you're in the town. Yeah, like yeah. Santorini, you can't do that. You get off the ferry. You got to take a bus. There's like a million people. It's annoying. Sleep knows you just walk off the ferry and there, you know, you've arrived and you're in the town and I love that. And then the walking paths are great and it's beautiful. And it's got all sorts of little, little churches that look like the one behind me. It, it's just, a, it's a beautiful island. So I spent... Uh, three. I spent a week there this spring when I went by this, you know, on my trip that I was going by the sea, taking me where the wind blows.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I booked one night, two nights at a hotel there, and I ended up staying seven. I just couldn't, I couldn't leave. Like, every day <laughs> there was like, oh, there's something else I could do. I could take a bus. There's a, a town called the Castro, and that's at the it's got it's it's like a it's on the top of the hill and that too was an old walled city at one time yeah and it's spectacular and then this last time I went that's where I stayed I stayed in Castro just love that island lots of beaches there's really good um really good food scene there they have a lot of uh, food that's really uh, specific to their island and so that uh, I found wow. I, I in the food business is what my career ended up being in. So I'm always really interested in whatever the local food scene is. And Sifnos seems to have a really good one.
1: Okay. Awesome. I got to check that out.
0: Yeah. That's a great, and it's on the main drag. Like if you're taking the, the, the ferry through the Cycladic islands, it's one of the ones that stops at. So it's like easy to get to, like you can go to that and then mix it with another couple of islands very Mm. easily. Like where you're going Carpathos, that's, that's trickier to, to island hop there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Got a flight into there from Athens. And then even you can get boats from Crete and Rhodes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, I'm just going to book a few flights. I booked one ferry between that and Kassos Island, which is next door. Kind of cool to check that out. And I'll let you know, because yeah. you, you've not been to Carpathos Island, have you?
0: No, I, I'm curious. And when you go on, the, I have a whole, I have an off-season couple of tips too, so we can get to that when you want to. But the off-season is a, can be good time to go and also... A little trickier because things aren't open, you know, so it's when I went on this last trip, I really realized that the, the, the options for like dining and and like taking the bus and catching a connecting ferry just aren't what they are at all in ju- compared to July. You know, weather aside, you know, it's going to be yeah. cooler, windy and not as many people, but like just the logistics were a little um, trickier as you're finding out, you know, like there's not a ferry every day or.
1: Yeah. Um some other islands that not even heard of is Seraphos.
0: So Seraphos is next to Sifnos. Yeah. So on this last trip I went from Athens to Seraphos to Sifnos. And Seraphos again, like really quiet, not yeah. very many tourists. You get off the ferry. The town is right there. You just walk to it. It's got an old walled city up at the top of the like up at the top of this big hill that you can take the bus up to. And mm. I walked all the way down, which I would not recommend because it was kind of dangerous actually oh <laughs> but uh, that's a time when the google maps thing like i should have looked at google maps and like the the topographical view because there yeah. are lots of walking paths that are ancient walking paths that were right there but i didn't really know how to take them whereas i knew where the pavement was mm. so um, but Seraphos is a great island too just it's just cute little old school greece old school, old school greece, greece. Exactly. you know just like the yeah, it's like the, it's like the original, you know, I, I loved it. S- Sifnos, I really loved, but Seraphos was pretty sweet too.
1: Awesome. Okay. And Agristri?
0: Oh, Agee street. a street. So Agi, street. that's a really good one because yeah. it's super easy to get to from Athens. You can just like take a little, a little ferry over there and be there in an hour or two. I forget okay. how long the ferry ride is, but it's only an hour or two where these other ones are longer, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just a cute island you don't need a car you can pretty much walk everywhere i mean oh, a really? long walk, oh, wow. but you, not everywhere but you yeah. but you can like the hotel that i've stayed at the same hotel twice there and it's a little ways out of town and you just take a nice leisurely walk into town and there's a beach and there's churches and it's there's not a lot of people there but it's easy to get to from athens so like if you have a you want to go to a greek island and you really only have a day or two you can just go there for a day or two and come back and you you get the Greek island experience without all the travel time and the tourists really, you know,
1: ah, even during the on season, it's still quite quiet.
0: You know, I've only ever been there when it's closer to off season. I've been there. Okay. I was there in May one time. And then what, when I went last time, I think it was June. So, yeah. but not like the, it was like the very beginning of June, not it was still like the. I remember the hotel. the 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 ticket price was the off season like rate room rate. Oh,
1: okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Always keep. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, yeah. Another place not heard of. Spetses, Spetsies,
0: Spetses. So spets yeah. again. That's the same kind of thing. It's right by a tree. So you yeah. can just go there for the day if you want to from Santorini or from. I mean, from Athens, you could either get up super early, early in the morning and spend the day there and come back or stay overnight. And that one looks, uh, that one visually looks different than other, the typical Greek islands. It does not look like that one. It's mm. got more like neoclassical buildings and it's got pine trees. So that's,
1: oh okay.
0: that's it. it Cause it's really close to the Peloponnese. You can actually yeah. take a ferry to the Peloponnese from there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I've been there from via Athens, but it, it, it looks different, but it was, I only spent a day there, but it was, it was really neat. They have horses like, Kind Of in the states, we have Mackinac Island where you can, there's horses all on the island, it's like that. There's like a lot of horses and stuff, it's just kind of cool.
1: Okay, cool. That's worth a day trip then. And yep. I think I've heard this island, but I'm not sure I know much about it. Cyrus or Cyros?
0: yes, and loved Syros. That was, I just did that one on my last trip. That's the capital of the, of the Cyclades Islands, and yeah. the reason I chose it on this last trip is because. It was getting towards the end of the season, and I had learned from um, the island of Sifnos that towards the end of the season, like, the transportation on the island was just getting less and less. You know, there just weren't weren't as many services available. So I figured if I went to Syros, which was the capital of the Cyclades, that would – it's more of a year-round island because it's got government there. Right. Okay. And so – love that island too lots of things going on it's like a mini for those who have been to Greece it's a lot like it reminded me of the city of Thessaloniki only like a small version and on an island again you get off the ferry you're right in the town which is the, is my jam you know you can walk to everything <laughs> you know you can catch a city bus anywhere there's museums the hotel I stayed at like the town square was literally out my door so wow. it was fun to sit on the balcony with a coffee and just watch everyone walk by. Yeah, I, I, I thought that island was lovely. Just lovely.
1: Okay. And one island that I kind of don't know much about, but I know roughly where it is, is Chios. That's kind oh. of near Turkey, isn't it?
0: Yes. You can totally see Turkey from there. Yeah. So I've been to Chios. I went there on a cruise. So that okay. was my first introduction to Chios. And then I've been there two or three times since doing refugee aid work. So because... Kios is right next to Turkey. That is an island where many of the refugees, if they're taking the, if they're trying to arrive via the, the rafts that are sinking that are, I mean, this is the whole nother story, but mm. because it's so close, it's easy for refugees. I'm not going to say easy. It's very, very dangerous, but it's the easiest way to get to Europe is that way. Right. you know to take a illegal raft that's probably gonna sink because there's way too many people on it and to arrive yeah. on the island of Heos so so I've been there on a cruise which was one experience and my last two times was to um, work with refugees mainly from Syria Afghanistan and Iraq who are literally just arriving via a raft from their countries you know
1: and that part of Turkey that it's opposite is obviously part of Asia Turkey right not Europe Turkey yes is that why yeah. they come across there to Europe in the sense
0: No, it's because it uh, it's because of the proximity. It's because the the literally the space between Turkey and Greece is like one or 2 miles.
1: Oh, right. Okay. You
0: know what I mean? It's close, but it's a dangerous crossing. I mean, mm. thousands and thousands of people have died doing it, but thousands and thousands have not died doing it too. You know, it's a, I don't want to say it's the easiest way to arrive to Europe because there's nothing easy about it. But the
1: closest way
0: it's the pro- it's the mileage i think it's two to three miles from heos to mainland turkey is so it's it's doable you know
1: you can see why it's so close right you can almost touch yep. it
0: yeah yep mm. yeah
1: okay Siamy, or simi or see don't know much about that one
0: simi is over uh off the coast of turkey too so it's yeah. right again you can see turkey from the island of simi uh simi was known it is kind of they don't have their own water source there so there's not that many people like you go there for for a day trip really there's not there's not water there but there's a town and they um i think back in the day they had a lot of sponge fishermen that that were from there that was one of the kind of things they were known for is sponge fishing yeah Uh, neat place tiny little town really rocky there's not the the only town really is the main town when you arrive there's not much after that it's really like somebody threw a rock in the sea and <laughs> there it is you know there's not many trees or vegetation or anything on it but it's oh, it's kind of cool
1: okay cool and got a few more questions here now eos now is that like a smaller santorini <laughs>
0: Okay, so my EOS experience is when I backpacked around Europe. So I was yep. 19 years old, and that was like, you know, 1988. <laughs> and so there, was hardly, there were people there because it was a, um, there was a free camping beach. You could camp on the beach for free back in the day. Yep. I don't know if you still can. You probably can't. Um, but my experience there was so long ago, and it was like the party island, a different uh, kind okay. of party island than Mykonos. It was like the drinking party island. I, I will admit I don't remember much about that island because <laughs> yes. I was one of the drinking people on the island, and we stayed three days. I remember we got really sunburnt and we drank <laughs> way too much. And my friend Jacqueline, who was the one that I we met in Florence, you know, who I just went to Vegas with, mm. um, she was like the Pied Piper. She spoke English and French, and she I remember she met these French guys, and like we had people. There were people always surrounding us because she was the life of the party, and probably <laughs> because we were drinking way more than we should have been right (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know that it's particularly like picturesque or if there's any you know like we went there to drink and honestly i don't know that there's that much going on on eos other than it is kind of known always as like a little party island but not like a mykonos mykonos is on another is the disney world of party
1: islands (laughs) oh okay got it right 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 okay and crete like their own culture, right? They're kind of their own people, almost, to a sense. So, what's your yeah. uh, experiences with those?
0: So, I've been to Crete a few times. I haven't been there in a long time. Crete's amazing because it's a big island, yeah. and you could spend days there. You definitely need a car on 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 Crete. And my favorite there's there are two things that I did there that I love. There's many things you can do there, but there's a Sumerian Gorge, and it's a hike that you do. You start in the morning, and you start at the top of the mountain really and you walk all the way down to the sea so cool it takes all day it, I loved that that's my probably my biggest memory of 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 Crete is that and then there's also the archaeological ruins at Knossos which is on like the Sumerian Gorges in the middle of the island and Knossos mm. is on one end of the island that's super cool and yeah the Cretans like when people are from mainland are like, oh, Crete, like they're their own thing. And, and maybe it's maybe it's like as Americans, we say, oh, Texas, they're like, oh, they're from oh, Texas, right. like Texas yeah. is their own deal. And we know what it is. I get the feeling that for Greeks, when you say you're from Crete, you're like, oh, like I know what that means. You're like from Texas, like from, the, <laughs> you know, they have their their own kind of culture there. They're, of course, they're Greeks, but they have their own thing because really Crete is really far from Athens. It's really yeah, far yeah. from the mainland. You know, it's yeah. closer to Egypt than it yeah. is to, or if it's not closer, it's Egypt is very close, you know, yeah. so relatively speaking. So they have their own, you know, their own foods that they have there. And and I'm sure they have a dialect that's different from the mainland too. That I don't know because I don't speak Greek but.
1: Okay. Uh, is it Cretans or Cretans? I call them Cretans, but is it Cretans? Cretans. Cretans, I'll yeah. yeah. get not yeah. get that wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, th- I think they'll still like you anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And we're going to go to a slightly different area of Greece now, as we've mentioned, is sort of northern Greece and...
0: Thessaloniki.
1: Thessaloniki. I can't pronounce it. Thessaloniki. There we go. Yes. It's the second biggest city, I think.
0: I believe it is. It's got to be. There's a university there and everything. But yeah. Thessaloniki is right on the water. So there's a beautiful boardwalk that goes all, you know, that a beautiful boardwalk. You can walk from one end to the other end. It's miles long. It's spectacular. Mm. And you're right on a bay there and you can Mount Olympus is in the background. Wow. Um, and there's just a lot of culture there. They have their own, you know, like uh Bugata, which is a, a Greek uh, uh, pastry that you usually eat for breakfast that's from there. It has their own, they have their own regional cultural foods that are there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's really close to Turkey. So they have a very interesting past because it really is at the much like Istanbul is the kind of the crossroads of many things it's got Muslims and Christians and Orthodox all right there Thessaloniki similar sort of deal you know they they for a long time there was a good mix of Muslims and Christians and and Orthodox and um, I read this most amazing book before I went to Thessaloniki for the first time called The Thread by the author her name is Victoria Hislop she's English and her, she writes historical fiction about Greece is her favorite place too. And so I've I've read every one of her books and that book was absolutely fascinating because it talked about the population exchange that was going on in the twenties when, um, at the kind of the end of the Ottoman era and everything, it's just a fascinating book. And I was so grateful that I read that book before I went, because it really helped me see the city. I could see the city's past through Mm -hmm. the lens of today, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's another interesting tidbit to make. I do try to read about like a book about not necessarily like a, a history book about the place I'm going, because I don't find those as interesting. But like this mm. Victoria Heslop writes really historical fiction. And I like reading a book about the place that I'm going sometimes because it really helps to set the stage for what you're, you're going to see.
1: Okay. And are they like their own type of people there as well, like that, that area?
0: No different than you'd say like how I mentioned – Crete has its own thing. Like if you're from Thessaloniki, I mean, you're on mainland, so it's more the same. But um, I mean, they're still they're still they're still Greeks. You know, they Mm. it's funny, like in different regions, they have different last different endings of their last names. So if you're like, if your last name ends in Akis, you usually people usually know you're from Crete. Right. If your name ends in I don't know what, but. Like my friend, I have a friend whose name is Peter Menaki and he's from Thessaloniki. So he has a different ending to his name and he's like right. a Pontian, which is like a, a kind of, uh, I don't want to say a neighborhood, like a, a region of northern Greece. He's a Pontian yeah. Greek, And and so you get to know the different, the different regions mm. are different than the U.S. You know, we yeah, have our yeah. different little spots. People from Georgia are different from people from Alaska, you know,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're still yeah.
0: all Americans. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, and you mentioned the notes here: Northern Greece, Castoria, uh, and Ioannina.
0: Yeah, so uh, Kastoria is how you say that one. It's yeah. a little town in northern Greece. It's it's close to Albania, and so oh, okay. is Ioannina. Okay. Um, we went to Kastoria. It's a beautiful little town on a on a on a lake, spectacular. And then I did some aid work last winter in the town of Ioannina. Same thing. It's in northern Greece, surrounded by mountains. It was cold. Mm. It was colder in. Ioannina than it was here in Buffalo I remember thinking I I knew it was going to be cold but I didn't realize like that cold yeah And skiing and that too is on a beautiful lake with a beautiful little waterfront that you can do all the walking spectacular I never met a place in Greece I didn't like actually
1: yeah it looks that kind of country right is so yeah, there's just so much there. Yeah, yeah, it's there, ridiculous. There
0: is. All the wonderful things are right there to find, you know. They're they're right in, in front of you. So there's so many different places to choose from, each with yes. their own little flavour.
1: Yeah, and also we've got to give a shout-out to Athens because when you look at a capital city or big city in a place, this has got to be one of the best cities of things to do. There's an endless amount of things to do.
0: <laughs> yes, I love Athens, and I think that Athens sometimes – gets a bad rap it because, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because this is my belief and maybe you have a different one, but there's a lot of graffiti there and right. it looks gritty. And if you're not visually expecting that, You think, oh my gosh, this place looks like dangerous. It's like graffiti everywhere, but it's not all graffiti. A lot of it is street art. And Mm. like, I I love Athens. There's something to do. It's like New York City. There's something to do at every hour of the day. There's amazing restaurants, great culture. I mean, the Acropolis, you can see it from almost everywhere you are. Yeah, The sea is what, 20 minutes away in Paira. I mean, the sea is right there too. Like, I love Athens. I I would never be bored there. It's a fabulous city.
1: What's your favorite thing? In, Ash- in athens to go and see i mean acropolis has got to be up there in it i suppose well the
0: acropolis is great and i love the acropolis museum i mean it's kind of cliche oh, yeah. but yeah but the acropolis museum is great i mean have you been to it before
1: no we're going so so me and my mum have got four days in athens then she's okay. going home no i'm fine okay. the rest solo but in athens i'm sort of looking at all the things to do and she's like yeah that's one of the things i want to do so that we are definitely yeah. going there
0: So that's, the museum is fabulous. When you walk in, it's got a glass floor because when they went to build the Acropolis Museum, of course, Athens is, how old is Athens as a city? Like thousands and thousands of years. So there's layer upon layer of city that the city has been built on. So when they went to build the Acropolis Museum, they put in a glass floor and you can see like the layers of city below and old walls and stuff that they found. It's just cool. And then when you're in the museum, like, there's a wall of glass, which looks onto the Acropolis. So you're looking at the things that belong right there. It's just very well done. I, I believe they finished it right in time for the Olympics. I mean, there was a push to get all that stuff done when they were hosting the Olympics. So, you yeah. know, all that hap- that new museum happened. Um, it's relatively new. You know, the museum used, like when I went to Athens for the first time, the museum was right at the Acropolis. It was this little, tiny building i mean you can't even you'll see it when you go there's a little Mm. building up there and it was the museum and it's just kind of funny that it was this tiny little thing and now there's this amazing place across the street but my favorite things to do are are that and to just stand at the acropolis and look out at the city and then at the base of the acropolis there's a road that pretty much goes all the way around the base of the acropolis it goes all across the front and then it gets a little like zigzaggy and you got to walk through the placa on the back, but you can walk all the way around. You might need your Google maps for it, <laughs> but in the evening, there's all sorts of street vendors and artisans and restaurants and cafes. And like, I could walk around there every night for the, you know, for a long time and never be bored. Cause there'd always be something different. And one of the best things I ever did in Athens, I should add, is we, um, I, I've, I I got to see a show at the theater that was right there at the base of the Acropolis. So yeah. I would recommend to anyone. They usually only happen in the summer, mm. but to check out what the schedule is and if you can happen to be there on a day that there's a performance, whether you know what the performance or the performer is or not, it doesn't matter. Like we went to see that we bought tickets. It was some famous Greek singer. I didn't. We didn't understand one word. I have no idea what was going on, but it was one of. <laughs> It was amazing. You're at the Acropolis in this theater that has been around for thousands of years listening to beautiful music under the stars. I mean, there really was nothing better than that.
1: It's pretty insane, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. they're not doing it in December, but I get that because it's obviously off-season.
0: Yeah, but, but go um, see a performance of something else. Because I think getting yeah. seeing a performance of whatever is going on in the local culture, even if you don't understand it, adds such a neat layer to your experience.
1: Mm yeah i can't even like just wait i can't wait to just even like walk around the random streets and just like dip into like a local restaurant or coffee place or something just watch the world go by like gonna try and find some of those
0: oh you'll find them there everywhere yeah yeah
1: everywhere yeah just <laughs> not in the too touristy place just off it and see what i can find
0: yeah you'll find it
1: okay i've got some quick fire questions about greece so sure would you consider it a budget-friendly destination even during I... the on-season and off-season
0: Would I consider Greece a budget friendly destination? Yes. Yeah. Would I consider Santorini in August a budget friendly destination? No. So the untouristic places are very budget friendly. The tourist places like Mykonos and Santorini are off the charts. Like they're so expensive. It's crazy. Like, yeah, I just wouldn't do it. But, but the, the places that I just went on my last trip, they were very budget friendly. The off season is great for that. You know, um, I'd say Greece is a budget friendly place, but you could also spend a ton of money. It just depends what you're looking to do. You know, the untouristy ones are like such a bargain.
1: Yeah. Which brings me on to on and off season. So I'm getting off season. Yeah. I've booked quite a few stuff because I've got to get back to London for 23rd, I think. So I've done quite a lot of work booking some stuff. Now what I found is accommodation. So this is Airbnb. Yeah. Is super cheap in the best locations even compared to like hostels so Athens for example a hostel dorm even in December in Canadian dollars is still 40 to 50 for a dorm okay. room yep and Airbnb is less than that for a whole apartment
0: right so do you want my theory I, I, have, yeah. I have a feel I have a, a opinion about Airbnb versus hotel and hostel so because I just I just did this on my last trip so I like to stay in Airbnbs when I'm going to be there for a little while. Probably not going to cook, but I want the option of like having some stuff in the fridge. Yeah. I also stayed at a yoga hostel this last time on Santorini yeah. because I want I had already been by myself for several days and I wanted a built-in way to meet people, which is exactly what happened. I got a private room in a youth, you know, in a, this yoga hostel. I shared a bathroom with the dorm room next to me. Yeah. It was awesome. It was perfect for what it was because I was able to meet a bunch of people after being tired of being by myself. Like, mm. so that was, it was great. And of course, super budget friendly. Yeah. And then a hotel, I like to, I like to, I like to stay at a hotel because I, sometimes I want my breakfast. Like I want a <laughs> European breakfast. I think that that's part of the. The charm, I love going down to breakfast and having the choice of Greek yogurt and their awesome honey and the, and little sandwiches and spanakopita and all the, you know, homemade jellies and stuff. So mm. it just kind of depends what you want it, what you're looking for. And on this last trip, I had a mix of all three and they all serve their purpose perfectly.
1: Okay. And for, for Athens, yep. I was doing a bit of research on like, do you need to book stuff? Because obviously tickets or... I don't know, getting into certain places like tourist places to go and see the Acropolis, etc., et cetera. Now, I did read that in the summer you would have to do that. But in the off season, you could probably get away with not doing that.
0: I'd say you could totally get away with doing it. I mean, okay. the only time I ever got in trouble in Athens was earlier this summer when I didn't book the place on my last night and it was like the yeah, beginning yeah. of tourist season then. And it was like, I just couldn't find a place to stay. It was so stressful, mm-hmm. but otherwise in the off season, I think that it's, Athens, especially there will be plenty of options. And you're right about the cheap Airbnbs in Athens. Cause I usually do stay at an Airbnb in Athens and it's cheap and you can get great locations
2: mm-hmm.
0: for cheap. I will say that the locals aren't like psyched about that because it's really pushing out regular yeah. Athenian renters. I don't have an option to rent. So it's not as easy for them to rent places anymore because so many places and buildings have turned into only Airbnbs. So good for travelers, maybe not as good for the people that live there, you know?
1: Yeah. That's a huge problem for Airbnb. That's another discussion. I think. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And weather on and off season. I mean, on season, we all know hot weather, great weather, but any ideas what it's going to be like for me in December, early December?
0: I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be like for you, but you're definitely going to need a coat and to make sure it's a good, like windbreakery coat, because even on my trip, just a couple of weeks ago, yeah, I went from wearing a sundress and then all of a sudden, by the end of the trip I had on my scarf and, my, and I, brought out, um, I have this like very trusty rain jacket that I bring everywhere. It's like a rain jacket windbreaker. And I always pack it at the back, bottom, bottom, bottom of my bag. Yeah. I pray I never need it, but I always have to have it, and I wore that several times because it was just getting like a little too chilly at night. So it's going to be cold when you're there, and it's probably going to be windy, but it'll be okay. beautiful. I've been to Greece in December before, but then I was in Athens in northern Greece, and that was okay. on a refugee trip, and we were doing yeah. coats. So I haven't actually the the coolest weather I've ever been to an island was the very first time I went during spring break in April when I was you know in 1984, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was and we bought sweaters on that trip. So, okay but I also wore a swimsuit so
1: <laughs> yeah I'm taking both I mean, one <laughs> right. one is in hope
0: <laughs> right, right it's gonna
1: be warm enough to me to dip in the sea we'll see maybe not and yeah. one cautionary um, yeah I've got, I've got this weird thing actually where I fly back from UK to Canada via Montreal okay and I've got seven hour layover I'm like oh great I'll go to Montreal but it's yeah. bloody cold I'm like oh, oh how' How do I pack for that and Greece? I can't, in a, in a, like a hand luggage and you know, I carry on. I'm like, oh, I don't, right. don't know what to do. So it's a I would check,
0: it, I would check to see what the weather is going to be in Carpathos and at that time of the year, cause I don't really know, you know, but it's going to be windy. I mean, that's the thing. Those islands get windy. And oh, so it wind. could be okay. sort of warm out, like relatively warm out, but then the wind makes it like, you know, cold, you know?
1: Got it. Yeah. Okay. So if you had to pick one month in a year to go to Greece, what month would that be?
0: Can I pick two months? Yeah. Go on then. Okay. I pick May and I pick September or October, you know, May, September, October. So if you go at the shoulder season, go shoulder season, go, go May and go September. It's beautiful and not nearly as many people and all the accommodations are cheaper and easier to find.
1: Got it. Okay. That's great. I would avoid
0: Greece in August at all costs. Last time I was there in August, I said, I don't care how bad, I want to go to Greece. (laughs) Never let me go in August. Just too hot. Too many people. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't Greece to me. It was miserable is what it was.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. August. Okay. Yeah. Don't go then. And Greek food. Do you have a favorite dish?
0: Love Greek food. <laughs> I I couldn't even pick a favorite dish because I love all of them. But everyone it, yeah. likes baklava. Like, come on. And then yeah. and then you know you can't really if you say baklava. Sometimes the Turks want to own baklava. Sometimes <laughs> the Greeks want to own baklava. But I mean, I like a good gyro like everybody else likes one. And I but I love all kinds of Greek food. I actually cook Greek food a lot at home, so I'm pretty. Yeah can go in deep on Greek food pretty much. But when I go on vacation, I want the standards or grilled calamari, like that's the best or fava beans yeah. or like stuffed red peppers. So good. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And souvlaki, is that a classic one?
0: Oh yeah. Like yeah. souvlaki on a stick or souvlaki and yeah. a pita, like Ooh. souvlaki, any way you give it to me. And that's <laughs> like the cheapest thing too. Cause you know, souvlaki is pretty cheap. It's a few, you know, a few, three, four, three, four dollars for souvlaki. You can get a good, you know, pair it with a, something to drink and you got a lunch for five bucks. It's pretty good.
1: Nice. Can't wait. Okay. Yeah. And the coffee, is it good over there?
0: Yes, because there's all kinds of coffee. Now, Greek coffee is so darn strong to me. If I have uh, like okay. a straight up Greek, <laughs> Greek coffee, because it's like, it's kind of like Turkish coffee. It's, it's so strong that I, I can't even have a whole one and you don't drink it all the way to the bottom because it's got the grounds, you know, kind of on the mm. bottom. You just take a few sips. Um, but I like a Fredo cappuccino in the summer, oh, okay. like a nice cold Fredo cappuccino, the best. <laughs> Got it.
1: And last question about yep. food, breakfast. What do they actually have for breakfast? What's their go-to? I guess Greek yogurt is, a, is an obvious one. but
0: Yeah, like I had mentioned, I, I do like the bread. When I go to Greece, I like to stay in a hotel because I want the Greek breakfast. And there's always like a plethora of things. It's always like a, some kind of home-baked bread, whether it's like a muffiny thing or a sweet thing. Like in Thessaloniki, they're thing i had mentioned is this dish called bugatza Mm. um uh so there's always some sort of pastry thing there's always savory stuff there's always some cheeses some sliced up tomatoes some sliced up cucumbers some bread a hard-boiled egg honey i love greek honey it's like Mm. so thick and so i mean so insanely delicious and then a coffee it's like the perfect start (sighs) to the day (laughs) yeah like a whole a whole smorgasbord of foods <laughs>
1: also actually a very cheeky question about breakfast and coffee in the morning do they open early yes they do everything's
0: open i mean greece has greece like italy has a whole coffee culture that is not the same as ours you know yeah yeah going for a coffee you you get to go coffees of course in greece but the it's the experience yeah you go for one don't you italy. yeah yeah you like sit down you have your coffee you do your little coffee shop and yeah you take it to go but you know you're not usually like walking around town sipping a coffee like we do in the states it's just not you sit down and you eat and you enjoy your meal and you slow down and you enjoy the company that you're with yeah not like we we just don't do that in the states we're not we're not wired like that so
1: that's the number one annoying thing with coffee in Canada maybe the states as well is when someone says oh should we go and walk and drink coffee at the same time like no I don't walk and drink coffee at the same time. I go for a coffee. I sit in, do yeah. what we got to do and go. Can't be dealing with us walking and drinking at the same time. No.
0: Yeah. And I always want it in a cup. Like, I don't want it in a to-go cup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want, yeah, yeah, like, and that. a cup. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. the same. I like you, James. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love the little European cups of coffee. It could be tea tea or coffee, but coffee, the little European cups. Oh, it's
0: Yep, yeah. they got it right. We're doing something wrong over here.
1: I think I think the problem over here is it's just too much. Like they give you like a massive mug. I'm like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> like yeah. just, just just condense it down to a nice little cup.
2: Yeah. It tastes yeah. better that
1: way. And oh, I don't know. There you go.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, we're gonna touch on a bit of your aid work in Greece, and finish with some quick fire questions. Okay. So you mentioned before you can yip to Greece, to do some work and aid yeah. work. What are you yep. doing in Greece that's helping the refugees there?
0: So I'll give you a little short little backstory, how I got involved in yeah. it. So, um, in 2015, there was the the war in Syria was going on, and yeah. people were fleeing, and so there are a lot of refugees coming over. And then it, it was uh, in the early fall of September of 2015 when this little boy named Aiden Kurt Curry Curdy washed up on the shore of Crete or, uh, of Turkey. He drowned. And so I have a son, and I've been to Greece many times, and I could not get the vision of this kid out of my head he could have been my kid and mm. every time i went to greece all i know of greece is like it's the place i love everything about it is wonderful my soul feels most at home it's just this wonderful place so how could this bad stuff be happening in this place that i loved and why isn't anyone doing anything about it yeah shortly after that because of that photograph there became a lot of um public awareness about what was going on over there and then i became involved with the um a charity out of California actually that was delivering baby carriers to people as they were getting off the ferries in Athens so that they could carry their babies as they were walking literally to Germany. Okay. So I joined that, that group and then the borders closed. And then that's for another story, but I, and so that's how my journey started. And then I went over with a couple of different aid groups, um, all doing a bunch of different things. So some of the aid work was in Athens. Some of it was on Heos. Some of it was on the island of Samos. And those are the two islands that are closest to Turkey, kind of on the front lines of the refugees coming in. Um, and then I you know, did various different things. One, one time we did art projects with kids. One time we did like a free uh, when I was in Iowanina in Northern Greece, I was with the charity that's out of the UK called Refugee Support Europe. And they had a, a free like little grocery store that you could get things from for for folks that meet, met a certain qualification. Mm. Um, Athens was art projects with kids, coat drives uh, in Samos. We ha- we did uh, like shoe. Dr- we gave away shoes. One di- time we did women's underwear. That was a crazy story. Um, food clothing, a wide variety of things that people needed, people who were desperate, who are no different than you and I, who didn't. Mm. Nobody starts out life planning to be a refugee. None of these people plan to be a refugee. And it makes you realize that at any moment, life circumstances could change and we could be those people. Mm. And I hope that if that ever happens to me, there's someone who's nice to me and gives me a coat or offers me a, uh, you know, Ten dollars, or gives me a hug, or listens to my story, or offers some kind of hope. So, I have really enjoyed my refugee aid work. Um, I did not do any on the last trip that I was on, nor the one before, because the last two were vacation to me. And the last several times I had been to Greece, five, six times, was all aid work, and I loved it. But I needed like a, I needed, I just wanted to go on vacation. Mm. And it's very difficult for me to mix. The two together because one is having fun and going out to dinner and talking about what did I eat and what did I see and blah 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 and the other is like you know talking to people about their horrible journey from home and who and their family died and they don't have any money and no clothes and no hotel and I just can't they have to be separate if I, I can't do the two trips together it's like mentally too I can't reconcile the two so but I have loved it and everyone should walk a mile in these people's shoes because it really is, is life-changing to hear their stories and just realize everyone's people are all the same. We all have the same wishes for our kids, for ourselves. We all have the same dreams. We all want to be happy. And you know, I was born lucky. I was born in the States. I have a passport, you know, that it's difficult to help refugees when you're like flying around. Oh, I'm going here and there and here and there. it's because I was lucky that I was born in the States and I got a passport. I won the birth lottery, you know, and, and, and the folks that when I'm doing refugee work did not win the birth lottery, you know, they, they don't have a passport. They're stuck in Greece. Most of them, most of them don't want to be there. They would rather be in a different country, but for, all sorts of reasons they're either were granted asylum there, which is, is good, but it's not great. Or they're just stuck there because they have, they can't get anywhere else because they don't have the right paperwork, but they can't go home because it's too dangerous.
1: Yeah. I, I don't get why people don't want to help people like this. Like, I mean, I, admittedly, I I've not done a much personally. So when we talk about UK politics and they want to stop migrants crossing the, the water, like these people aren't doing it for a jolly like they they're in desperate need they need to get somewhere Like, and it's amazing we don't want to help these people i just don't get it and like you say the birth lottery is a huge thing because what are those people that you meet in greece that come from syria for example yeah they might grow up in their childhood childhood like you like they want to go and travel for a bit like go and see some different cultures they might want to do that but because they're in that country and yeah. they don't have the passport that allows them to do it, or even have a passport and it's a dangerous right. country right now they can't do it but they're no different They've got the same dreams and same hopes.
0: Right. And until, and like you and I know that, but when you meet them and you're talking with them, bad luck of the draw, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's, it's sad. And, 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 and and sometimes, you know, like when we were having all the terrorist stuff that was going on in the States, you know, that, that problem's not gone, but there's a lot of young men that are out. The family send them to leave so that they can hopefully get their foot in the door in a new country and eventually be able to bring them like those kids don't want to be doing that either. They're yeah. scared. They don't really, they, they'd They'd rather be at home. They don't want to be doing this living hand to mouth with no, no money, no job, no, no hope. No, it's a terrible situation. It's a terrible situation. It, and it's not on the news anymore which is kind of sad it's just kind of fallen off the news yeah. the situation has changed a lot since 2015 i will say that but there are still lots of refugees and they're still coming over i'm still in all kinds of facebook groups and on my last trip to turkey as a matter of fact i i saw it in action it was quite upsetting there was a raft out at sea that had flipped over i knew exactly what it was when i saw it i was already upset about it but there was no one on it. Our, our sailboat went up. I went, ran right up to the captain and I said, you know, the boat. And he said, "My, it, it's migrants. But we went up to the boat slowly, but there's no one on it. So I don't know what happened to those people, mm. if they ever made it to safety, if no one made it to safety, I don't know. And then when we were in Turkey, there was um, the Coast Guard was bringing in a, a boat load of a, had people in their boat and was bringing it in. And and I knew exactly what that was. There were refugees on it that they had got at sea. And I started to take pictures. I don't know why I did what I did. I, I was like, I stood right on the edge of our boat and I started taking pictures. Well, then the coast guard started screaming
2: mm. at
0: our boat. And then the captain in our boat said, I realized what I was doing then. I mean, I, I, I mean, I knew I was taking photos and I shouldn't do that, but I had to. And then I was so obvious about it, you know? And then the, the captain said, no, 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 she's a tourist. She's a tourist. And I put my camera right away, right away. And then I just was like, oh my God. But that was not a, it's still happening. There are still people fleeing and they're, they're caught between two countries with no good solution, you know, with between two places with no, there's, I don't know what the solution to the problem is there.
1: Yeah. This is probably a big conversation in question, but are they trying to get to somewhere else other than Greece and Turkey?
0: Yeah, most people don't want to be in Greece. Most people, that's their foot in the door to be in the EU. Yeah. Most people are looking for an EU passport. You know, they're yeah. hoping to get an EU passport. So they they come to Greece and start to go through the process, but hope that they get asylum in, say, the UK or Germany or Spain or wherever. One, they don't necessarily want asylum in Greece because the, there's not as many opportunities in Greece as there are in uh, Germany okay. or the UK. Okay, that's why yeah, yeah. The Greeks have a hard enough time getting, I mean, their economy is not great. You know, the, yeah, yeah. the Greek folks have a hard enough time getting jobs. I always feel like I have a unique perspective because I do know a lot about Greece and the people of Greece, but I know a lot about the refugees. So like Greece was very welcoming to these people, but they also have their own problems too. So they could only yeah. take in so many people and only be so welcoming. They, they had their own problems. they got to deal with too. So most refugees would rather get asylum in another country, but it has been my experience that when they get asylum in a different country, in the end, they're sad they didn't stay in Greece because Greece is at least more similar, like in climate and and just the nature of Greek people is to be very hospitable. And yeah. so they miss, they for sure miss home. Everyone would rather be at home. At the end of the day, they'd yeah. all rather be where they're from. We all would want to be where they're from. But I think they all miss Greece because it is a little more similar to home and a lot of aid workers go there on their own dime like me just to help. And it's a different thing than a governmental worker helping because that's their job.
1: Got it. And do you help in your own spare time? It's not part of your job.
0: No, that that was all, all my aid workers on my I pay to go over there. I mm. Everything's on my own dime. But it brings me so much joy that i would if i could figure out a way to do that for a job i would it's not that easy to figure out how to be an aid worker and make a living at it you know (laughs) Mm. Mm. so yeah
1: okay because i think a lot of british people would say it's crazy that these people that either come from africa or from middle east get to eu greece for example Mm. even italy to get to italy as well yeah and they still want to try and get to germany or across the channel to uk and they're like well what's wrong with like staying in France or Greece or Germany? It's amazing. They still want to come to UK because that's like another journey across the water. You think that, Oh, we've done the water part. We'll just get, get to Germany or something. Right. But must be a reason.
0: Yeah. Because the, because it's so bad where they are, you know, imagine Mm. it being so bad from where you are and then going through years of, of hell and not even knowing that you're going to make it to the finish line, you know, like actually like get to the UK and learn to speak English, and get a job and be success. It's just the whole thing is mind blowing if you think about the whole yeah process. I mean, I've become really good friends with a guy from Syria that I met on the island of Heos. and uh, I just saw him when I was in Athens. And he he's got a he's got a good sto- he's got a good story. He ended up getting asylum in in Greece, and now he helps refugees. So oh nice, he, yeah, he's pretty amazing. Yeah, but he's got his own like you know that's a lot of trauma.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've gone through like an insane amount of trauma and there's not nearly enough services to no. help for that. So, you know, so you got to make it on your own, yet deal with all the demons of things that you have in your head. It's, it's a pretty difficult situation.
1: Cause the problem with that is that there's not enough services even for the local people, let alone. Right. Other people get into there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's,
1: that's a tough one That Right.
0: It is a tough one.
1: Thanks for sharing your story about that. That's awesome. That Absolutely, yeah. maybe inspire a few people. Going to finish with some quickfire travel questions. These are normally your favourite things that you experience on your travels since the beginning of the time, so you can pick any country you want. Hey, yeah. Just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5, or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Public where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Wingin It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for travelling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. Oh boy! And yeah, so you got full array of options here. I'm actually going to start with a Greece question. Your three favorite places in Greece.
0: So I'm going to say Sifnos, like I had just yeah. mentioned, because I, I do love that place. I love the island of Agios. And one place we didn't talk about that I really love is an area in Greece called Meteora. It's where the monasteries are on those really tall, like, um, Mm. peaks. Yeah. It's very mystical, very magical. I'm I'm picking those three.
1: Okay. Next question is three favorite countries that you traveled to.
0: Three. Well, we already know Greece is the top one. I do. I always say about Turkey. I would have. I would have fallen in love with Turkey, but Greece was already my lover. That's why. <laughs> that's one of my lines because I love Turkey too. It like smells good. It's colorful. There's a different language. I love the call to prayer. I yeah. love that. Um, and I really liked. I really liked Peru. Like I wasn't a hundred percent sure I needed to go there. It was because my friend was there.
1: Mm. And I'll
0: be honest. In Peru, I was scared almost every day because we were on this adventure tour. And the Andes Mountains go straight up and down. Yeah. And everything we did was on the edge of a mountain. And I felt like a certain amount of death involved in every day. (laughs) But it was also exhilarating and beautiful. So I got to put Peru up there too.
1: Okay. And three countries that you've not traveled to that are next on your hit list.
0: Okay. That one's easy too. Three. Okay. So Malta. Yeah. I haven't been to Portugal. Mm -hmm. And... Um, well, this is in its own country, though. Like, I really want to go to Sardinia and Sicily.
2: So oh, okay.
0: I, I, I'm an island person. What can I say? You know, yeah, I've yeah. been to Sardinia, Sicily, Portugal, and Malta. Those are my, they keep percolating to the top. I think Portugal especially, because I really want to do the walk to Santiago one day.
1: Oh, we done? Oh, yeah, I've done some of that like this year. Santiago walk, yeah. You did it? Uh, I've done the Santiago Finisterre, which is on the west Galicia ah. coast. Yeah. Not the full one because that's long.
0: I I really want to do that. It sounds amazing. So that, that, that and Malta are right at the top of my list.
1: Got it. Okay. And how many countries have you traveled to?
0: Oh my gosh. I do not know the answer to that one. I don't. I've been to lots of European countries. Well, I'd have to really think about it. I don't really know. I wasn't prepared for that one. (laughs) So like, I don't know. I'm going to say 30. And now when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to, or when I get, when we get finished with this, I'm actually going to figure it out because I don't really know. Cause it's like, I've been all over Europe, lots of, you know, not lots of places, but many places in South America and Canada, but like, I've never been to Africa. I don't Mm. really have an interest to go to Asia. I I don't know that my daughter wants to do an internship in Australia next year. So I might get to Australia next year. Yeah. So really my travel is focused so much on Europe, but it's, it's, it's because I love it there. Like, I, you know, when you find a place you love, like, I just don't feel like I need to go to every place in the world because I always want to. I keep finding myself gravitating back to back to Greece. But I always say, well, if I got a free ticket to go on a safari, I'd do it. But <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'd do it on my own.
1: <laughs> OK, fair point. Fair point. OK, so if you could pick one city in the world to drink coffee and watch the world go by, where are you going to drink your coffee? Oh, my. It can God. be a town as well.
0: It can be a town. Well, we did say that Athens is pretty darn great, but I'd have to pick a big city. And and I don't want to say New York City, but kind of like New York City is pretty awesome. And yeah. every kind of person walks by. I mean, I know I live in New York State, but I don't spend like lots of time in New York City. It's you know a six, seven hour drive from me. But New York City, you can see every kind of person walk by in five minutes.
1: <laughs> okay, that's a great answer. And if you
0: did it in Central Park. I mean, yes. Central Park is
1: the of best. Course. Yeah. Yeah. And what about your top three favorite cuisines that you've experienced on your travels?
0: Well, again, Greek goes to the top in any kind of mm. Mediterranean because I love the Turkish stuff. Tur- Turkish is really good, too. It's a little different than than the Greek. And, and probably like Spanish, you know, I like Spanish food or, you, well... Yeah, you know what I say. My fo- my top three foods are so this will be. But yeah, if I on. had to live off anything for the rest of my life, it's yeah. pizza. So I guess Italian, yeah. nachos, and ice cream. <laughs>
1: there you those go. Those are my
0: three. Those are my three food groups. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, and what about a favorite beach that you've been to?
0: Man, I really don't want to say the answer to this one, but oh. beaches beaches in Florida are pretty amazing. And same okay. with like California because they're so long and wide. And while yeah. I love Europe for what it is, the actual beaches, the beaches in the States are, are better. You know, California beach goes for heck the whole coast of California and they're so yeah. wide. I mean, so it just depends, I guess, what kind of flavor you're looking for. And a beach in San Tropez, that's pretty cool. People watching there, that's pretty amazing. So each for their own little thing.
1: Okay. Okay. And what about a favorite landmark? Can be nature or man-made?
0: Favorite landmark? I do like the Eiffel Tower. Haven't been to Paris in years, but yeah. the Eiffel Tower is pretty quintessential. And you know what I loved as a kid was the um, Seattle Space Center. The Space oh, really? Center. Oh,
1: wow. Space Center. Yeah, because
0: yeah. my mom was from Seattle, and it always yeah, yeah. was so, like, amazing to see that thing.
1: Okay, cool. I accept that. What about a favorite trek or walk yeah, you've done?
0: A favorite walk?
1: Yeah, or trek.
0: Well, I mentioned the one from Eida we'll Fear, and I, I do really like that one. And all the hikes that I did on Sifnos were great because there weren't that many people. And, but probably my top favorite one would be Cinque Terre. Oh, okay. In Italy. That, yeah, yeah. That I, we did that like, I don't know, for our first year anniversary, my husband and I, and I loved it, loved it. Walking between the five towns, so cool. So give that okay. one my number one Cinque Terre.
1: Awesome. And what about a favorite party place that you've experienced? Mykonos. Of course.
0: <laughs> it's hard to beat that place because yeah, yeah. you're on vacation. Everyone's happy. It's hot. You're wearing skimpy clothes. You're drinking ouzo. Anything goes, you know?
1: Okay, fair enough. And yeah. if you could pick one country in the world to live in that you've not lived in before, but I'm going to exclude Greece because you've been there so much. So no, no yeah. Greece, no USA. Where would you live?
0: A country I haven't been to before. Could be anywhere. I haven't been to before. Well, I'm probably going to pick something in South America, actually, because my Mm. mom goes to she has a place that she loves in Mexico called Ajijic and i always kind of discounted this place because i don't know like my mom was going there with some of her older friends and it's mm. like an expat place but a friend of mine from minnesota just moved there as a digital nomad and i keep uh-huh. seeing her photos and now <laughs> i'm like maybe my mom's onto something and ahih mexico seems kind of cool it's in the same time zone it's not that hard to get to you know like you could still like have your regular Keep on a regular schedule with the states and be somewhere else and but not that far away.
1: Okay, that's awesome. That's a good answer. Yeah. And got two more left. So, what is the country that you've been to that's been the best value for the dollar?
0: Well, I mean, when we were in t- just in Turkey, it was so cheap. We couldn't believe it.
1: Like oh, wow. our
0: meals, we would eat dinner and we're like, we just had the most amazing meal for $23, like with yeah. wine. So, Turkey was a really budget friendly one. And we went to Peru, same thing. Peru Mm. was super budget friendly, but that trip was like a different. Like, we didn't really go to restaurants. We were eating at like roadside places and kind of underground. And we got really sick on that trip. (laughs) So we got a really nice dysentery farewell gift. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going with turkey because it was safer and delicious and really cheap. (laughs)
1: that's awesome okay the last question is gonna be what advice or wisdom would you give to someone right now who's listening who maybe wants to travel but is maybe a bit nervous or can't make the jump to go to a different place internationally what would you say to those guys
0: just do it like just do it. There, there is some amount of uncomfort in anything, right? But my saying, and I said it to my kids all the time, and I have to remind myself of it sometimes because as you get older, you sometimes you do find yourself pigeonhole into a certain thing. But life begins outside the comfort zone, like so. And the same goes with travel. As I mentioned, like when I'm going by myself, sometimes I'm not comfortable. It's not fun sometimes. Like I, I don't feel like going out to dinner by myself, but. I make going out to dinner by myself a game. Like, who can I meet? And, and you have to get over the uncomfortable part because all the awesome stuff is like just beyond that uncomfortable thing and, and start conversations with people like just people are people. They, they want to talk. They want to hear your story. Like just start talking to people and share your story and, and ask questions, just be inquisitive and and immerse yourself in the culture so don't be nervous about it just just do it and there's no time like now you never know what curveball life is going to throw you so if you have a window of time and a little extra money in your pocket just go and see where the wind takes you
1: awesome that's a great way to finish a podcast so krista thanks so much for coming on it's been an awesome chat i've learned a lot about greece and you and it's been a real pleasurable chat thank you so much
0: Thank you so much. I look forward to having coffee with you somewhere very soon.
1: Yes. This is what I say to all my guests. Anywhere in the world, I'll see you for a coffee.
0: All right. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to my Wingin' It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Wingin' It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last 8-10 to years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels and there's also a newsletter sign-up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice alternatively you can rate this on apple or wherever you get your podcasts from this really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content and i'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there reviewing it and enjoying the content so far stay safe stay humble keep listening keep traveling and i'll catch you soon cheers james